Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's K-O hyphen fi.com forward slash alone or you can go to alone with invisible people.com forward slash support us to find out more thank you hi i'm rebecca gallardo the host of alone in a room with invisible people i am here today with author and teacher holly lyle and today we are doing the topic how to create a story of any size with an artifact and by any size, you know, that means it could be a flash fiction piece. It could be a series of gigantic big novels. Um, yeah, so this, but we are going to do it a little bit differently than than the worksheet that Holly created for you guys. There is a worksheet. I will have it in the show notes. I'll also have it on the, um, uh, I, I don't know if it travels from um, app to app, but I'll at least have it in the I, uh, the Podbean description. Um, but yeah, you guys can download it and play along or play after. But first, let's talk about what we did this week. Holly? I had a rough week. Um, I got a number, I, I got a pretty good number of words. And then about uh, two thirds of the way through the week, I think it was like uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Um, when it was Wednesday, I realized that I had given away way too much stuff um, that has to happen later in the novel in book two. So I spent all of yesterday uh, making sure that I could save everything that I had written, which I will mostly be able to, um, and then dissecting and starting to build out the five book uh, line for scene outlines. Um, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's not later in the book. You, you told me it was later in the series. Yeah. You started delving into things that you weren't supposed to do in this book at all. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that's it. It's later in the series. So that's yeah. why I had to do five that I am still doing and will be doing for a while, the five book line for scenes. Um, because uh, I and uh, some some very careful plotting and uh some some specific outlining for each book uh just on what needs to happen in each book just big basic blocks of stuff because yeah yeah, because i brought in somebody who cannot even be identified until book three and uh, on like page 25 that this particular character's right in there we know the name we know what what the character does it's like no in book two no it can't it can't yeah and and so you haven't plotted out uh, the other books but now you're doing the line for scene is that going to work with your muse because you've talked about how your muse doesn't like outlines my muse doesn't like outlines but if my muse knows that there are specific things that it can't do before a particular book it will fight the outline it will come up with all different stuff when i'm writing but it won't put people in places where they can't possibly be as soon as they are Okay. So, okay. so, so you're not, you're, you're, you're not building this written in stone no. outline. It's <laughs> just trying to make sure your muse knows where people go. Yeah. And events and stuff. And events okay. and yeah. How about you? Yeah. 
Um, my week, I had to do 5,000 words of backstory on a house. Okay. Uh, yeah, for spanning several decades, um, which was a lot of work. <laughs> and it's not particularly happy history. Uh, I got I got a couple of scenes done, and I've also got the last part of a story done. So I have been working a little bit disjointedly, but I'm really excited to go in and write the scene today where it starts picking up from that back that that history that I started to build. I realized that. I couldn't write this without knowing, I couldn't write hints at things without knowing the backstory of this thing. And I needed a lot of history so that I knew what exactly happened. Yeah. So, like, I've already got revision notes on the first, you know, couple of chapters. I've already got places where I've put a sticky note, like, this needs to go here, this needs to go there. Mm -hmm. So, um, that actually makes me feel good because that's a progression in my knowledge and how to build things and how to set things up. And hopefully it'll just keep getting a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yes. Yes. As, as you have shown yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. But uh, we also both worked on this, this uh, artifact ourselves this week. Right. So why don't we get into... The topic today, the artifact. Okay. Um, I don't want to just go through and read the notes in the worksheet because people can go in and download the worksheet and read the notes in the worksheet. And I just yeah. don't, uh, what I want to say is that um, you want to have something that's created by a human being. And generally you want to create it yourself. But Becca and I decided after we had created our artifacts to swap them. Uh, well, no, you decided beforehand that it would be fun to swap well, them. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because you wanted to, but we just did it for fun. Right. There are other reasons to swap with people. Right. One of the biggest reasons is that you create an artifact and it just doesn't click with you, which happens sometimes. You look at it and you, you don't get anything out of it. Um, if you find yourself in that situation and you and somebody else, uh, you know another writer, uh, somebody in the forum also is having the same problem, you guys can swap artifacts. And yeah. you will discover uh, that sometimes something that is hand-drawn and very strange, um, but that isn't that didn't come from your brain, will still bring all sorts of awesome things to your brain. And I love what I got from the artifact Becca drew. Oh, see, I love what I got. Like instantly, as soon as you sent it to me, I was like, oh, thank God. Cause I didn't know <laughs> what you were going to send me. Like I've seen what you've drawn before mm -hmm. for yourself. And I, they don't usually click with me like the ring and like the weird boxes and stuff that yeah. are in there as examples. And when I saw what you wrote, I was, or drew, I was like, oh my God, instantly my muse started jumping to different things. And I love what it landed on. Cool. So yeah, we, we, we had a lot of fun with it, and um, yeah, so how, how do you want to start? Like, like, explain what the artifact is first for people. Okay, what you are doing is you are trying to generate an entire world. You are world building from a couple of doodles on a sheet of paper, and um, 
it doesn't seem like you would be able to just take this one object and build something that's big enough for a novel. But this is actually part of the How to Write a Novel class. And it is definitely focused on building your novel. Um, it, it is a technique that can be used, as Becca said, for any length story. But yeah. it will give you enough from just this doodle that you doodle or that you swap with somebody else to build out an entire novel. And that's what we're going to be demonstrating for you today. Um, the other thing, just to let you, you guys know, is there is another way to do it. This is this is a different way. This was created by Holly, I think, um, or maybe the other way was created by Holly for people who weren't connecting to... So this was the one that this, was created for people that weren't connecting to the first version. Right. The first version is simply that you ask questions, which is the, the version I almost always use. I just ask myself questions, I get answers for them, and I build from that. But yeah, this you, is... Your questions were like you were imagining... You close your eyes and you imagine a, a sheet, and then when you lift the sheet, there's the artifact there, and what do you see? Yeah. So this was for people who didn't connect to that. Right. So this allows people who are not particularly visual in their heads to be visual on paper, um, which yeah. everybody can do. And it's, there, is, there is absolutely no art skill required for this at all. Um, <laughs> but, but you do get some really good stuff. So with that, um, what I'd like to do is uh, each of us describe the artifact that we received from the other. And then um, we will go into the questions and the answers. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I get, I, to quote you, you said it was a jar with an ugly lid. Yes. But I, I didn't think it was ugly. I thought it, I thought it was primitive, maybe a primitive lid. But So it's a jar. The jar actually looks pretty basic by itself. And then the, quote, ugly lid that Mom sent is a face with a jaw jutting out with the chin and jaw jutting out and the teeth so it's it you know facing up there is this very simple eye and you know line above which could be the eyebrow or maybe just a deep set eyes there is hair and then there is kind of like this this hat that that sort of looks like a an Amish hat cut short but then and braided at the the ends and then there is like a clip on the back yeah so and and i'll put up pictures of both of these in the um the podcast website and maybe the forum too yeah okay now the thing that becky sent me i looked at it and immediately my brain said that's a bone cloth it is oh we were going to describe what we created out of it oh no we were just going to describe no. what we okay well let me just say it because the top half of the top two-thirds of it looks like a giant bone maybe a vertebrae uh of something something that my mind said was very very large and then below it there is this what what i am seeing as a woven piece of cloth with um points at the bottom um five of them and then little beaded strands hanging down from each of those points so that it is this woven, I, I see it as a piece of woven cloth with the ends woven down or uh, all gathered together and then held together with beads. And my brain said this thing is incredibly primitive. It is very, very old. 
and it's scary. <laughs> See, I like that because the, the description that I sent you was uh, old, torn, and weathered cloth designed to design for something. Yeah. Like, I think that was that was what I had written. But, yeah, so this, this was a lot of fun. What I got from the picture that you sent, it reminded me of... I might be pronouncing this incorrectly. I think it's, it's, uh, it might be Russian. I don't remember, but it's the, like a Domovoy statue or statuette. They were, um, house, like little statues of house deities or house gods. Um, and I've been really, really intrigued by, by the concept of using these somehow in Fulton Hills. So as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, Oh, this is, this is, this is my house god. <laughs> oh, cool. So yeah. this is going to end up in Fulton Hills. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I told myself going into it, whatever it is, it's not going to be Fulton Hills. I'm just going to play with it. And as soon as you sent me the picture, I'm like, house god. I'm like, no. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, I got an immediate visceral response from the thing you sent me too and it had nothing to do with the cloth because what i saw at the top wasn't a piece of cloth that was crumpled it was a bone yeah. and this this went dark on me fast <laughs> yeah okay so um what do we do next because i know part of it was to describe to like point at things in the image drawn and write descriptions of of each piece yeah so just i think uh, if you followed the directions on the worksheet, then we'll just read through what we wrote. Okay. So did you do that yourself? I did, did yeah. You? Okay. So what, uh, well, like. Question number oh. one. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> when do we talk about the, the, the lines that we drew? I don't know. See, like on the image with the little. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I did not actually do that because it okay. was, it was two things. Very simple. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was okay. a bone and a piece of cloth. So I just described it. Okay. So part of, part of what mom, um, her, her worksheet here does is it says that you can go to each piece of the, the drawing and draw a little line and describe. So I was having a little bit of difficulty trying to figure out like some specific things and oh my god it got really crazy once I started so at first um I had drawn a line and said clay that is made out of clay and then my my brain said blood so it's a clay blood mixture okay <laughs> then I came up with the teeth the teeth are from animal uh so they're gonna be the home spirit animal assigned by the cult so Apparently, this is a cult that worships these little little house gods, and immediately it's a kin god. So they're not just protecting the house; it's one god, one god with many representations that protects every single kin, and the kin is the uh, cult members. Okay. Um, the hair is from all house kin members designed for protection. Oh wow! Or does yeah, designated for protection. So anybody who lives in that house. That particular house with that particular statue has to give hair. Um, the the little band on the back is the cult ceremonial band, so I guess everybody wears it. And the eyes are spelled for the god to see the objective truth. So apparently there is a ritual that makes the eyes see, you know, the god can see everything. And on the bottom, I had written, what does it hold? That was like the, the first question that I asked. And by the end of all of this, it said, blood sacrifice for each holy day. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, so that this, was interesting. Yeah. So this is a paranormal object of incredible power that you don't want anybody to steal. <laughs> it's definitely symbol, some symbolic of something, and yeah. and yeah. It, so okay, so okay, go ahead and do your questions then. So um, what I have the first question is where does your artifact come from? Include specific details. I said my artifact is a bone cloth, an actual bone from some long extinct creature, with a pendant of hand woven fabric and hand carved uh, boned beads uh, on tassels uh, that adorn the bottom. Okay, um, so mine's uh, what? Where does your artifact come from? That's that's it. So, mm-hmm. I were handmade by the cult. The cult is known simply as Flesh and Blood. They reside in Fulton Hills, but have branched out into Nuda, Kowakna, and are looking at Standing River. But right now, so basically, it came from, and since I described what it was made out of already, mm-hmm. clay and blood. Um, so we know that it's handmade by the cult in Fulton Hills. Yeah. All right, then. The second question is, who created it? Include specific details. I have an ancient, now long-dead magician from a forgotten people. The magic was real, the magician was powerful, and the spell is incredibly dangerous, still alive, and carrying the rage and evil of the wizard who created it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, who created it? So I'd already answered part of that as handmade by the cult. Mm -hmm. Uh, When a new member entered into the group, part of their initiation is bloodletting. And then the mixing of that with, quote, holy land, which is clay. Um, Then a representation of the house god is built. This house god sees all members of the cult as kin and protects the cult. Like, I put that in, in like, quotes for some reason. Um, It watches over and spies on each member. These eyes are spelled to see. The prophet is then spoken to by the god who has eyes in every house. Oh, man. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, it's very, it's a really good idea, but boy, I would hate to be one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Life of paranoia. Yes. Yes. And justified paranoia. Somebody really is watching. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm now the the music the song that Sting sang is running through my head. I'll be watching it. That's the yeah. one. Okay, uh, question number two: Why was it created? Include specific details, and this is where things really shifted on me. Um, this is meant to wake the dead, specifically the creatures whose bones the bone cloth was woven. They are, or were, since they're now extinct, terrifying, deadly monsters, huge, smart, ravenous predators, not sapient, but canny. They're vicious, talented at camouflage, and they will find humans, initially anyway, slow, incautious, careless, unprepared, and tender. And the instant that the word humans popped in, it told me that the creator of the object wasn't that. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, so that I get into in the next thing. So go ahead, your turn now. So the wizard is not is not human. Right. Okay. Why was it created for me? Most members of the cult, in quotations, lower levels, um, see it as a devotion to the religious belief, much like, like the necklace they all wear, which I didn't know they did, an infinity symbol with eyes. Hey, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, higher members believe the god can actually see through and watch. <sighs> Only the top prophet and his trusted 
think that there is no house god. The eyes are spelled with a magic that allows them, him, access to spy on the congregation. Okay, so the guys in charge don't actually believe in the god. They yes. just have this magic that they are using to give themselves power. Yeah, so this makes it definitely a, a cult, not yeah. a steadfast religion. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what I think is funny is that my my muse, I originally wrote he um, the top prophet and his trusted know that there is no house god. And my muse immediately scratched out no and wrote think and underlined it. Ooh. So they're pissing off a god, apparently, that they didn't realize really did exist. Oh, boy. Oh, that's cool. That puts yeah. some great conflict in right from the very beginning. Oh, oh man. yeah. Okay. Um, so what does it do include specific details is the next question. Um, this bone cloth reanimates breeding pairs of the monsters and sends them to the places where their preferred prey the enemies, uh, the wizard who built the spell signified where those enemies lived. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's cool. <laughs> it would suck to be an enemy. To, and then suddenly just these breeding monsters pop in that are hungry. They want you. Then they're going to make more of them and they want your family. Yes. Yeah, that's not great. Yes. No, that's not, that's um, not nice. Okay. So mine, what does it do? It holds the blood sacrifices from the household members each, quote, holy day. And I don't know what holy days are. It could be weekly. It could be whatever. Um, it, is a it is a portal into the house of every religious member. It is... Uh, yeah, my handwriting is horrible. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it is symbolic of their faith. This God protects their flesh and blood, and they're all kin. So it's like the... the if you join the cult, you are automatically part of somebody's flesh and blood. And that's, you know, it, it means that you're, you know, you have this flesh and blood is, is kind of a phrase for family. I don't know if it's, it's a worldwide phase, phase or whatever, but it's like, you'd say you are my flesh and blood. So, uh, so it's not that they're inbreeding. No, no, they're okay. not inbreeding at all. It's just, yeah. Um, the God is a warrior for them who are supposedly pacifist. It has representation of their six living truths, and this all just popped out. My muse was ready for this. Um, one, protect the mind from the secular world. Two, eyes open to the truth. Three, you are of the earth, which, you know, it's made of clay and blood. Four, you are all kin. Five, you must be dutifully give your of your blood so it will not be shed. And six... Turn all issues to your household god. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty constricting. Yeah. 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 And uh, my muse said there's more. Oh, no. <laughs> I missed a page. Oh, no. Okay. Well, this is a long page for me. So <laughs> start writing. <laughs> so that brings us to uh, question number three. Uh, when was it or will it be most important? That, that is referring to your artifact. When will this artifact be most important? Include specific details. And this is where uh, this thing got a really, really strange, took just a strange turn on me because I already knew that my wizard who had created this artifact was not human. 
In this thing, I found out what my wizard was. The predators will appear in the locations where their prey, modern humans, are most common and will do so all over the world. The monsters, therefore, will appear in large cities first because that's where there is the most food. Um, where, unfortunately, the most likely sources of understanding their nature, um, yeah, organized science, big technology, and um, organized uh, upper-level education cluster. So you're having, you're having the, the monsters appear in the places where the people with the best chance of solving the problems are also the people most likely to get eaten. Um, okay, so then... The spellweaver was specific and understood the nature of the humans supplanting his kind, the Neanderthals, surprisingly well. So this is a very old spell, and uh, it was set up uh, to <laughs> come to life when the artifact was discovered. So... It waited until people got really fascinated by archaeology and were doing all of these big digs and great backgrounds of, of, of all of this stuff. And it was just there and perfectly preserved and still completely powerful. So it was basically like a, a trap. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was a trap. Every there is a lot of evidence that the the Neanderthals were really really smart, and uh, that they that there was a certain amount of inbreeding between humans and and Neanderthals, so that there is still that bloodline yeah. in us, or at least in some of us. But there was someone who did not take this well. <laughs> um, so. The okay, so then the second half of this question well, is why? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. Yeah. So it says uh, when when was it or will it be most important? It mm -hmm. it had started to become important once the leaders realized they needed to have control over the household. So they created the spell and blood ritual and had everybody bring their household gods in the you know the little statues in to supposedly bless them and you know that's when they spelled everything and sent them back home so yeah <laughs> all right then um okay so uh the next half of this question of question number three is why um and includes specific details specific details are where all of this really great stuff happens okay cro-magnon humans had an easier time breeding they were willing to inhabit suboptimal terrain and to adapt it using brute force tech. Neanderthals had bigger brains and were more intelligent and they had real magic. Unfortunately, real magic did not scale well and it was hard to learn and hard to use and more dangerous than science, though it was more effective. Um, the Neanderthals had smaller numbers um, and they had a much more difficult process to handle. So they did not win the the species race, although they did, you know, there is seriously some of them still in some of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, that was that was the why that this particular Neanderthal wizard 
built his little time bomb. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the why from for mine were basically they were losing members um, to the cult and some of or not to the cult, but they were losing members of the cult. And some members were being reported on by other members for having, you know, broken rules. And sometimes those were true. And sometimes they weren't. Sometimes mm. other people were were trying to either get them get people they didn't like kicked out or trying to gain favor in the cult's eyes by being a snitch. And there were lots of different reasons. So they realized they needed a way to um, basically be more infallible so that people didn't dare try and lie to them because they would know the truth from God. Okay. All right. That's, that's pretty, pretty dark, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that takes us to question number four. How does the artifact cause a problem? Include specific details. Cro-Magnon's success allowed large populations to exist in suboptimal conditions, and these conditions spread plagues. Rats, flies, water, uh, Cro-Magnon humans were spread widely enough for breeding populations to survive. Neanderthal populations were always small. The cloth activated by the uh, wizard Neanderthal, by a CM, uh, okay, by a Cro-Magnon Neanderthal cross, uh, again, there are some of these, who triggers the magic when he holds the bone cloth is what causes the problem because he had the right combination of genetics to actually bring the damn thing to life. It could only be, it could only be woken by someone with some Neanderthal blood. Um, but, uh, it, there aren't any pure Neanderthals left. So it took that while for somebody who could actually, you know, <laughs> set this thing off, um, to actually succeed in doing it. For, for mine, how does it cause a problem? Include specific details. I, I had a, it's in many ways. Breaking a physical representation of the God is blasphemous. Uh, sh uh, shame, showing of little care. As the item is a household thing, all members' transgressions are known by the council and the prophet. It can create a stricter mindset and absolute devotion as a daily reminder of the faith, causing friction with the secular world. It also, th these are just all different ways it can cause conflict. It also can cause problems between somebody who is very, very steadfast in their faith and family members who are not quite so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, if, if something is always watching you, that's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, but th some of them just see it as a symbol, but they see it as a symbol that is very... Because not everybody knows that, that this thing actually has eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, but for somebody who is incredibly adamant about their faith, and then the rest of the family is a little bit less so, that can cause friction in there, too. Um, bloodletting on all holiday, on all holy days is undisputable. You, it's like, it's not an option. So be, this becomes an issue with the sick, busy, or questioning members, as well as, you know, other people who just don't, you know, they, they can't stand pain or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Say yeah. no, no, that's, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so the next question. Okay. So then. Uh, this is under question four. This is the second half of that question, which is who does the problem affect? 
uh, include specific details. The revenge of the Neanderthals means crossbreeds have a higher survival rate than pure Cro-Magnons, and the higher the percentage of Neanderthal DNA, the more likely the survivor, survivor will reconnect with the species-specific magic. What this means is that people who have a high Neanderthal percentage of DNA um, acquire magic, and magic comes back in a big way. <laughs> I'm just wondering how this is going to end. Um, okay, so <laughs> who does the problem affect for me is those who entered the cult unwittingly, you know, family members, spouses, children, you know, they weren't really... They followed, but it wasn't really their thing. Um, and again, these people don't know it's a cult. They see it as a religion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, whoever broke the item, even on accident, is either punished or the household leader can take the punishment for them as they failed to install pro- proper reverence and discipline. So even if a two-year-old knocks it over and it shatters, that two-year-old will be punished unless the, the household leader... Um, whether it's father or mother or whatever, it could be the grandfather, whoever is the designated leader of that house. Uh, yeah, they have to take the punishment for them or they don't have to, but they can choose to, um, those doing ill by their belief system laws or those beginning to see if, see that this is a cult and want out. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I love that. Well, I mean, I hate that, but uh, I hate it in the way that it would make really good fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then that takes us to uh, just basically thinking about the story that we have gotten out of doing this exercise. And for me, uh, if I were going to write that, I would start it with a dig. Um, I would have this uh one of the guys who is at the dig feel really connected to the artifact. And uh, he has the the position that he can actually claim the right to study the thing. And um, he wakes it up. He doesn't know that he wakes it up. He has no idea that these monsters that have suddenly appeared in cities all over the world uh, are in any way connected to this thing. Uh, because, you know, it doesn't come with a written manual or anything. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's just this thing. And he happened to be drawn to it because it called to him. Because he had the correct genetics to wake the thing up. And then I would move from there to uh, telling stories of different people in different parts of the world who were not attacked by the monsters that were eating people all around them. Um, because this is very much a story about revenge, about revenge of a primitive people who saw that they were on the way out and one guy who figured out a way to get even. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so your artifact really is the basis for an entire book. Yeah. And mine turned out to be more of a, a detail that created the cult that is a part of a world of a, a series of books. Yeah. Um, and my little house deity statuettes or statues or jars, um, I, I would definitely take this cult further, but it gave me the basis for this flesh and blood cult <laughs> that, you know, is, is on the surface a religion 
and I one that I have not mentioned in Fulton Hills yet, so it's it's very interesting. Um, and I, I definitely am going to take this further by including, I have to delve a little bit more into the history of it and figure out when the house God, you know, statues came to be. And I want them to originally be statues and then they turn into jars and just, it, it's just a very, very cool thing. Like I think originally the statues will be bled on. So when they're, they're created, they're, they're turned into, you know, they put them in the kiln and then they're like white. And then as you bleed on them, you know, you start to stain them and they become stained with the blood of, of the, the family members. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's, it's such a really cool object. And then to build this history of how it works gives you this intense look at an intense religion. Mm Mm-hmm that has become a cult and finding the conflict between them and the world but then also seeing that the the prophet quote prophet who is not a prophet and and the other people in his inner circle they're all spying on these people in order to control them in order to know things and it reminds me a little bit of of um jim jones who would who had his entire congregation basically snitching on each other you know and and he would walk through and listen to all these things and he could remember everything and people would tell him things before these these um massive uh sermons that he gave so then he could he could look almighty and all-powerful but some people knew the tricks behind it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it, it was giving me that feel yeah yeah this is um Neither one of us moved to a happy place with these no, artifacts. No, not at all. That's pretty crazy um, because yours was very goofy looking. Like if you looked at it, you think, oh, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of fun doing the exercise, but boy, did it give me something that I had not ever even considered writing about before. I mean, the the, the idea of writing about, and I'm always conflicted about how to pronounce this, Neanderthals or Neanderthals. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always say Neanderthal, but I don't know. Yeah, um, but it, it's it just I had never considered writing any fiction about them, and now my God, you know, there's this really cool little world that I built, and this story from from just that drawing that you did, and it's a little tempting, and yeah. I can't right now. I really can't because yep. I cannot chase this. But um, yeah, but I do have a little bit of a takeaway. So um, oh yeah, okay. Well, um, mine at least gave me something in the same world that I plan on using. Yeah. And originally the house gods are, or like hearth, hearth gods or household deities. They were a happy thing. You know, they were, they, there were so many little rituals that people would have that they would, you know, like uh, the brownies that would, or, or brunies, I think if it's Scottish or I don't know how to pronounce it. Bruni, probably <laughs> something like that. But they would, they would pop up at night and do little household chores you know, yeah. so yes. this this went really, really in the opposite direction. This was like, what if a household god was evil? But I have the feeling that the actual god that these people created, mm-hmm. you know, with their magic and then cast aside because the people in charge did not believe in it. 
I have a feeling like maybe this god isn't actually that bad of a of a deity, and he's starting to get really pissed off at being so so evilly represented. Yeah, and yeah, and having things done in his name that uh, he does not appreciate. Yeah, 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 that he would not he would not enjoy, not want, and that <laughs> that yeah, and the wrong people are in control of the religion so i have i have a feeling that this cult is going to go through some changes but it's (laughs) it was a lot of fun so um basically you said you have a takeaway so before we get to the takeaway i just wanted to thank you guys for listening um there really isn't anywhere to send you just remember that we have the um halloween episodes they're going to be coming on the 27th and the 31st so that will you know, it's going to be me, Holly, and Mark all doing voices, all doing these stories. We had a lot of fun with the stories, and we wanted to thank you guys so much for sending them in. I'm sorry wonderful. to those folks who couldn't make it in, but yeah. again, we were very, very strict about those two rules that we put up on the post about, you know, what we wanted in the Halloween episodes. And yeah, some of the people just did, <laughs> apparently didn't see those rules. So, um, That is it for now. Holly, what is the takeaway for this episode? That you can trust your muse to come up with a story from building an artifact. You cannot trust your muse to come up with a story you expect. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The process is a fun process, but, but you can go in knowing your world and end up with what you didn't know about your world. You can go in knowing nothing and come up with something completely off the wall, unlike anything you've ever written before. But uh, if you do the process, you know, get your worksheet, download it, and just jump in. If you do the process, you will get something, and it will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most definitely. As long as you just uh, leave your mind open and, and really ask yourself these questions when you see them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that has been our final episode, and it was um, a lot of fun to do, and I hope that you guys got something out of it. The artifact is a lot of fun, and again, Holly created a download for you, uh, a very, uh, you made it different, right? Slightly different. Yeah, it's a little different. I cleaned up some errors. Um, I, I improved a couple of little things, and yeah, but it's, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so this this artifact and it also has a link to the video to a video where I explain a little bit more about the artifact. Yes, yeah. And I think I put that in last week's show notes too, just so that people could prepare if they wanted to, but I'll put it in this week as well. Um but yeah, so that that has been our topic, the artifacts, and we just really wanted to say that uh well I mean I'll say what I wanted to say. It it has been a privilege and a learning journey being a part of this podcast. Um, I really wasn't expecting to to do much more than edit and just kind of ask you questions and kind of lead you to explain things that maybe in a different way after you explain them like your way. And I really didn't think anybody would care what I thought and my opinions on stuff or how I did things. And you pulled that out of me. And then people connected with me. And I was not expecting that. And it has meant a lot. Finding people out there that loved Fulton Hills. Um, If you guys haven't read Sister, that's fine. If you haven't looked at it, 
but I would I would ask if it's not if it's not your thing you don't have to go buy it but go look at the dedication which is available under the free look inside that's on uh, Amazon because that dedication includes you guys and if it wasn't for your constant excitement and support of the world as well as the stories but but the world I don't know that I would have gotten it done by the deadline that I did um, especially with everything that I had to go through this year. Uh, it, it's, it's especially with the surgery. I mean, knowing that there are so many people out there that are excited by something that you're building and support you is life changing. And, and you guys also really helped me when I was sharing all of my issues about mental health and stuff. I know you said that I helped you, but you helped me when you shared too because we don't feel so alone. And the podcast will always be up. Holly's classes are always going to be around. The forums are always going to be there. So if you want to connect with us, you can do so there. But it has been a privilege to be allowed into your world uh, every week or how often, however often that you listen to it. And I just want to say thank you for sharing your time with us. Yeah. Absolutely. This, um, I was, <laughs> I was not really expecting us to have a very large audience, and the number of folks who actually listen to us astounds me. Still, um, I appreciate the fact that uh, you take time out of your day uh, to, you know, to come in and hear what we've got to say about writing. I appreciate the knowledge that you are someone who wants to focus on the craft who wants to understand, because if you're listening to this, this is all craft, um, that you are someone who wants to become better at this thing that you want to do. And um, from from the time that I very first started writing about writing, which was with my first writer's group when I was 25, 26 years old, um, I was encouraging folks uh, to to focus on, you know, learning the craft. And, uh, I, you know, I had a ton of articles up on my first website that is still my website um, and still has those articles because I think people should be able to pursue their dreams. And I think if you are someone who knows a way to do something, then it's not an obligation, but if you really love it, then why not? share what you've learned with other people who want to come along behind you and find it. And I never looked at it as an obligation. I just looked at it as this thing that brought me joy. And it, it does. It does. I love writing. I just, just the best damn job in the world. And, uh, I am simply at the age now at 60, you just cannot look at this and say, well, I've got unlimited time to do all the shit I want to do. So at this point, I have to stop getting sidetracked by all the cool different things about writing. And I need to just write because I have an awful lot of books out there or, or an awful lot of books in here mm -hmm. that I want to get out there in the time I've got left. Um, and as far as I know, I'm in great health. Uh, I had a recent checkup. Everything looks good. But 60 is not 50. And I'm past the middle, man. I am past the middle and I have to acknowledge that now so yeah um, well you, you don't need to explain yourself again uh, yeah. luckily we've had nothing but uh, uh, just just 
pouring in people supporting us that the emails yeah. and the the messages on Instagram and the the forums I mean everybody understands your position and the the common thread is while I'm sad the podcast is ending I'm looking forward to more fiction from you so that's I seriously yeah. seriously am grateful for that and she has sent me some of the emails you sent her um which or probably all of the emails that you sent her yeah I try um, I try yeah yeah uh, so, but we're not going to be gone. We yeah. are going to be in the Holly's Writing Classes community at, you know, hollyswritingclasses.com. It's really simple. Just, you know. Yeah. We'll be there. We'll be in the forums. And the podcast forum is there. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can always go in there and, and we're leaving everything that matters up. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, all the episode titles, I think I've only taken out stuff like technical issues and, and, and how to support right. the podcast and stuff like that. So if you if you want to uh, support the podcast, the podcast stuff might not be up anymore, but Holly's Coffee might still be up. So you can go to coffee, that's ko-fi.com forward slash Holly Lyle. It's L-A-S-L-E. That has always been uh, specifically for supporting my fiction. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, but yeah. That it would, it would f support your fiction, but it also, you know, you still have to pay for the podcast I I, to be yeah, up. I still so, have to pay for... For yeah, the host of the podcast. So. With the with the actual podcast coffee being gone, that's the best place that people can go if they want to. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so that's true. That, that has been our final episode other than the Halloween episodes, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I just want to say the same thing that I have said pretty much every, every episode of, you know, after the first few. I love you guys. And I really appreciate you listening. Like mom said, we will be in the forums. We will continue to write and share. And if you feel like you want to reach out, you can message us on the forums. You can message me on Instagram. You know, it, we still want to know your journey. Just yeah. because we're not sharing things on the podcast anymore doesn't mean that we can't still connect. That's yeah, and I would like to note there too that I um, also have a an email list for writers, and I have an email list for readers. So, however you connect to me personally, I've got something there for you. I just wanted to say, this is writing is a process. It is learnable. It is achievable by anyone who is willing to put in the work. It is something that if you are willing to pursue it consistently, you can succeed at it. Um, you succeed by failing. You fail your way upward, and it is okay to write garbage, absolute garbage, because that's basically where we all start out, and to, then to figure out why it's garbage and then to make the next thing better. It is doable, and you absolutely can do this. It's just butt in chair, fingers on the keyboard or whatever your process is, and, and, and be consistent and believe in yourself and write with joy. <laughs>